You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello and welcome back to this week's Weekly Wrap-Up here on Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford, and on the line today we have our chairman, Mr. Eric Sprott. Good morning, Eric. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, Jeff. Everything's uh, coming together here. Excellent. Thank you for joining us. So firstly, Eric, let's take a look at what's happening as far as economic data coming out of the U.S. The number of people who filed for unemployment assistance in the U.S. ticked higher last week as claims for state unemployment benefits rose by 3,000 to a seasonally adjusted 267,000 for the week ending September 19th. Likewise, the U.S. Commerce Department said that durable good orders decreased by 2% last month, matching forecasts, while core durable goods remained flat. So with all this economic data, what are your thoughts in terms of what we're seeing in the economy, Eric? Well, of course, I think it's uh, sick and sicker is probably the way to put it. I mean, the uh, regional Fed indices are all plunging. The National Activity Index was down. We have people in Caterpillar announcing you know, their sales are crummy and they're laying off 10,000 people. The previous week, we had some huge um, job losses at Deutsche Bank, uh, a couple other banks. The, the, the retail sales are punky. The inventory sales in the auto business have gone way, way up, which means they're going to blow off their inventories. You know, this whole Volkswagen saga, where they have all these uh, cars that can now look like, <laughs> my God, I don't know what you do with a car that they can't meet the emission standards. That is a very big problem. But generally, things are just soft all around. And, you know, there's lots of blah, 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 but things are being better. In fact, I think they revised GDP for the uh, second quarter up today which I find uh, very difficult to believe. But again, um, the guy making the statistics can kind of turn it any way he wants. But I think on the on the floor level, out in the main street, it's not going well. Uh, consumer confidence is plunging in most countries. So it's just more of the same here as the, the 90% are facing higher inflation, very low wage increases, and their ability to spend just keeps going down every day. So, Eric, moving over to the Fed, we had Janet Yellen basically signaling the possibility for a rate hike before the year end. But I don't know, Eric, perhaps you can elaborate on this. Why do you think she made this announcement? Do you think there was more to this than meets the eye? Well, I think after the last Fed meeting, everyone kind of lost confidence in the Fed. And, of course, more and more uh, generalists are suggesting, well, she missed her opportunity, whether they're back in March or uh, June or September when she didn't raise rates. Uh, I mean, rates are ridiculously low. And now, of course, I, I think the reason she said that, that we'll probably raise rates in uh, 2015, was to try to garner some confidence in the financial markets that the central banks know what the hell they're doing. Uh, it would be my argument and belief that they don't know what they're doing, and they just, it's mostly spin that comes out of the Fed anyway. I mean, it's been since 2006 since we had a rate increase, which is uh, like hardly very difficult for anyone to imagine, but that's the way it is. And it's easy to say it's easier to say we're going to increase rates and to raise rates. And uh, you know, data dependent. Well, the data sucks. You know, I just think she likes to keep the market kind of on edge here. The market monitor is sound somewhat forceful, but uh, we'll see when Dem- December rolls around whether she's she has the um, the wherewithal to do it in a slumping economy. So. Uh, we'll stand by, but I think in the meantime, it's just uh, an attempt to get some credibility back to a Fed that lacks all credibility. So, Eric, moving over to precious metals, we can see that uh, gold actually has fell off of its one-month peak, supposedly after the announcement from uh, Janet Yellen. But what are your thoughts in terms of what we're seeing in gold and silver this week, Eric? Well, you know, the funny thing is, I've said this many times before, 
most volatile asset, the most volatile financial asset is currencies, which in itself is ridiculous. Why should the currency be more volatile than everything else? I mean, I think the Brazilian real, I think it's down 10% this week, week, down something like 30% this year. It's down, God, I think it's down like 200% in the last three years. I mean, it's just incredible the decline that's uh, that's taken place here. So, and it's not just there. It's whether it's Malaysia, Indonesia, Japanese yen, I mean, Chinese yuan. Everyone wants the value here. It's just a, a blatant sign of weakness in those countries that people are finally figuring out that oh my God, the economy's not doing well. I don't want to be invested in Brazil. I don't want to be invested here. Or there. And of course, one of the great things in my mind as a precious metal investor is just imagine the people in Brazil have their own gold how much better off they'd be. And that's not a small population. And that's true of many, many, many countries, excepting the U.S. Even here in Canada, I mean, we're making money on gold today. Australia's making money on gold. Um, Europeans uh, probably have gold up so far this year because the currency's been weak. So 95% of the world's population is benefiting by owning gold rather than the currency. And of course, in all these countries, the fiscal deficits just keep getting bigger. I've always argued that weakness begets weakness, unless there's something you can do about it. When your rates are at zero, what are you going to do about it? There's not much you can do. And you certainly can't start a spending program. You have to go to austerity, which I think uh, Brazil, for example, announced a semi-austerity program. Like, man, how do you turn it around when, you're, when your government has to stop spending? So the currencies are playing out like we have a huge problem in the world. And we see the credit default swaps of a lot of these countries going way up, including China, by the way. So it's there's things bubbling below the surface here that are uh, not good for the world's economy. So, Eric, in the past, we've talked about currency volatility, likewise currency devaluation, and this volatility, generally speaking, within currency markets. But this week, we've noticed some things happening as far as currency devaluation in emerging markets. Would you care to comment on that, Eric? Well, Jeff, I think the biggest thing is there is an ongoing discussion about physical shortages here. I mean, there's been some great work done by uh, Roland Manley and uh, Chris Jansen and others about how little gold there is in both the coal mines, where we know that the amount of gold available is five tons, while the claims against the paper claims against those are 252 lines larger. There was a discussion that there's probably very little gold in the LBMA in, in, in England. When we look at the data every week, and I, I, I don't think we had the data on Russia last time we spoke, but they're about 31 tons in August, which is a huge amount of gold for Russia, probably twice their normal. Uh, we now have the PBOC announcing uh, monthly gold purchases, uh, which they've never done before. And one should always ask, well, why are they starting to do it now? It's a very interesting question. I think they have way more gold than they're suggesting. There's huge tightness in the silver market. Of course, we see it in the premiums for coins and things like that, and the inability of the U.S. Mint to supply product, the inability of mint, uh, Canadian Mint to supply product. So there are lots of indications that uh, the tightness is there. The logic of people owning gold in the world has never been higher. I mean, so many people would be so so much better off, including countries owning gold. So it's going to be interesting to see how the fiscal market plays out. I would love to see somebody tap that uh, COMEX five tons, which is a small amount of gold, by the way, less than $200 million. And there'd be no gold. I just think all of this analysis has been done and suggested that over the last 15 years, the Western Central Bank continued to supply their gold to the market surreptitiously. And now they have 
very, very little left. And we could get the, the big reset at any time here. Uh, we shouldn't be concerned about, you know, intraday uh, little fluctuations in the price of gold. The guy's pressing the buttons. Yeah, Yellen says she's going to raise, raise rates. Everyone presses the gold sell button. But that's just paper gold. That's not the real thing. And in the real market, I think it's getting tighter all the time. So someday this thing, uh, we could find out that what the uh, Western Central Banks have done is, is in fact what we always believe, that they manipulate the price down through paper gold. Uh, but the Chinese, the Indians, the individual U.S. consumers, just keep buying and they're buying at record paces here. So I think uh, I think it looks pretty good on the physical front. Well, Eric, we'll continue to hold the course. And with that, we'd like to thank you for joining us here on the weekly wrap-up. As usual, we always appreciate your insight here, Eric. Thank you for joining us today. Okay, Jeff. Exciting times ahead. All the best. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. This is Jeff Rutherford for the weekly wrap-up here on Sprotman News. Have a great weekend.